Welcome to another edition of the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast. We are your hosts, Jessica Sang. And I am Chris Eaton. Jessica, oh, I'm very excited about today's episode. Yes, very much so. We've been planning this one for weeks. We have been planning. I've been, I've been titillizing it on, on our other things. I, I keep saying I have something big planned. <laughs> this is part of what I've been talking about. This gentleman we have with us today, our very first guest, mind you too, on this podcast, we uh, we met back at Kamikaze, uh, Stanley's Kamikaze, back in LA about November, wasn't it? Yeah, like 2013. And he came up, said hi, very nice person, said I liked, I liked your uh, panel. And then he pulled out his magical iPad and showed me a glorious treasure of stuff I've only heard rumors of. This was like, he came up and was like, hey, you like the Lost Ark of the Covenant? Because I got it right here. You want to see it? <laughs> So, sir, introduce yourself to the lovely people. Uh, hi, my name's Mark Hadamio. And Mark is in the... He's, he, he's getting ready to do something very big. So I figured we have him on, give him a little backstory, and uh, we'll go into the bigger project in a little bit. But let's, let's not beat around the bush. Mark has been collecting, what would you call fan films? Fan films. Fan films and lost... Lost. Like lost footage, lost movies, incomplete things. Just like... stuff that is rumor at this point. Like even in this age of the wonderful age of the internet we live in, he has <laughs> stuff that like very few human eyes have come across. And he's been very gracious with showing these the the the, the set of eyes you know that are talking on this show a few of his magical treasures. So uh, just to get started, Mark. You're an obvious Godzilla fan. Yes. Where did you? Where, where, when did the fandom bug bite you? Uh, it's always been there as, uh, as long as I can remember. Um, you know, I used to watch Godzilla films as you know, three three years old mm. on TV when they used to show them in the early '70s, and I mean, it's just always been there. I mean, I honestly don't even remember what my first Godzilla film was. It's just been that long. And so, go from uh, being a fan mm-hmm. and. Coming up in the fandom now, um, you've been around, like, I'm not trying to age you a bit, but... I was born in 1970. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not so, trying to lie about so my you, age. So, you've been around, like, yeah. so, like, much like to, like, a lot of modern-day fans, like, 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 uh, like myself, mine was, like, 84. That's a lot of people who are, you know, around mine and Jessica's age, yeah. that was our first thing. So, you've been around, like, when you had to, like, catch shit on television and stuff. Yeah, that's right. I saw most yeah. of these films on television. I mean, mm-hmm. I do remember the first time I saw Godzilla vs. the Smog Monster. I remember the first time I saw Atragon, first mm-hmm. time I saw Yogg. First time I saw Dagora, mm-hmm. uh, they used to show all that stuff on TV. I mean, this is back before infomercials kind of ruined television. <laughs> you know, there was such thing as, you know, as movies till dawn, mm-hmm. you know, I would see, you know, Return of the Giant Mudging and, you know, all these films like that. And they stopped kind of showing that stuff in the mid-80s. And uh, my younger brother, Matthew, who's 12 years younger than me, he would look at my Godzilla books and I would tell him, yeah, I saw those films back when I was a kid. It wasn't until... They started popping up on VHS, and even then, you know, it'd be like in bootleg form, you know, because yeah. a lot of this stuff wasn't officially released until you know the mid late '90s, really. I mean, how many crappy copies of Megalon have been out there? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and you know, I 
and I did see Godzilla vs. Megalon mm-hmm. uh, on its initial release. I went to a drive-in theater. I remember the drive-in theaters. <laughs> well, for those who don't know, there was a place where you could take your car and you would drive up and you would watch a movie on a huge screen. Yeah, there's still a few here in Southern California. Actually, they reopened the Paramount Drive-in theater about did two they? months ago. Yeah, I've been Ooh. looking forward to going to the one. one I know is out in Riverside. Yeah, that one's real shady. But it's it still runs. Oh, first the one in Rubidoux. Yeah, actually, there's another one in uh, La Puente. Really, hit in the middle of an, an industrial area. Wow, I'm yeah. in La Puente all the time. I didn't even know that, that there was it's, one out there. Yeah, they have a swap meet every day, pretty much, and then at night it's a functioning drive. Oh my God, so you, you you enlighten me every day. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, coming up in the '80s, so Godzilla fan, you're yeah. collecting. Well, back then there was hardly anything to collect. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we did have the. The American toys in the 70s. You now we had, of course, everyone knows the Shogun Godzilla, but there were other things. There was the the Aurora model, and which Monogram reissued in the late 70s, and then also there was the legendary Godzilla vs. Tricephalon playset, mm-hmm. which I had, which is one of the greatest Godzilla toys ever made. Then there was more obscure things, like a company called GLJ held the license for a while. They had a bendable Godzilla, which everyone has seen, uh, packaged specimens are very rare mm-hmm. and uh, they also made this weird Godzilla watch which I happen to own <laughs> and I've only ever seen one of them so I don't know how rare this thing was because GLJ also made these toy watches for the Shogun Warriors as well mm-hmm. but uh, yeah I mean I, I would collect anything I could back then of Godzilla and Imperial got the license in the mid 80s and made things like the the figures and the Godzilla bubble blower and the Godzilla bop bag things like that. I had the bop bag. I had the inflatable uh, like seven footer. Yeah, the the first Japanese Godzilla toy I ever saw uh, when I was about seven eight years old. Uh, I had some neighbor friends of mine. Uh, their aunt loved Little Tokyo, mm-hmm. and she bought my friend. I couldn't believe when he showed it to me. It was a little box with Godzilla on it, all in Japanese writing, and he pulled out this little four to five inch high metal Godzilla that opened up and little tanks and airplanes would come out of him. Like it, its whole chest opened yeah, up. It, it's, seen that. Yeah, it, it's, that. it's the Bullmark Zinclone yeah. die cast. But back then, my eyes just popped out <laughs> of my head. And and he, um, he was rough on his stuff. He eventually broke it and lost oh, it. But God. I remembered years and years later, mm-hmm. and I was working for a friend of mine, uh, actually but might be of interest to some people who like Power Rangers. Mark Richardson, who was the prop master for Power Rangers when he was filmed here through Mighty Morphin Power Rangers to whatever the last production that was here before they moved production to New Zealand. Uh, his father owned a pawn shop, and I used to work for them for a number of years. Anyway, I told him about this toy that I remember from my childhood, and he actually found one for me back uh, about 1986, and I still have it to this day. It's one of the yeah, you know, that's what I was starting to rediscover things that I had lost as a as a child, you know, and getting Japanese books at uh, comic conventions, and of course Godzilla '85 had come out at that time, at that point in American theaters, um, and I still actually have the news clippings from the Herald Examiner <laughs> when got the '84 Godzilla came out in Japanese theaters. That was the first photo I ever saw of it. So yeah, I've been collecting stuff for years. I mean, now there's so much, especially with the advent of the internet. I mean, mm-hmm. you can get anything even straight from Japan. Oh yeah, I have to be very discriminatory as to what I get mm-hmm. before anything with Godzilla's face on it. <laughs> I would collect, and you know, it's just part of being a fan. I mean, I 
you know, I love posters, books, um, soundtrack albums. I have all that stuff. So you are, a, so you're like your are your everyday fan. You're collecting, you love mm-hmm. it. But then, where do you come into finding Godzilla versus the Wolfman? Now, that's the reason why we have one of the reasons why we have you here. So. Yeah. You have uh, kind of brought this um, lost film, if you will, to the light of many, many people. Uh, now, it's so far, the fact that there's still like just a lot of people who are I've, I've run across on the internet, like, wait, wait, what is what is this? Because there's little bits of it, and mm-hmm. some of your presentations that you've actually held publicly on, online, and there's not a lot of um, a, a lot of I don't want to say information because there might just be a lot of misinformation out there. So why don't you give us a uh, just a journey down how you came across this and uh, you know how it came into your uh, your your hands, if you will. Okay. Mark is also the same gentleman that was at Anime Jungles mm-hmm. Godzilla Biolenti that we actually had. Yeah, he was spoken about mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago on another one of our podcasts. He was also the gentleman that did his presentation. You were there for that. I was there. I have video. I do have video, and it will be going mm-hmm. up as soon as I can get it rendered. Yes. Not before this man gets a copy of it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, Godzilla, uh, Wolfman versus Godzilla. Uh, well, back uh, in the early days of the internet, um, got a computer, started going online. A friend of mine, uh, James Bond, that's actually his real name. Know that dude. Yeah. That dude that there's a uh, King Caesar flowing around here somewhere. It's oh. up in the back. My dad traded him. Marbles. He traded him marbles because he's a marble a collector. Big marble collector. Yes. We traded him marbles because he's like, do you, and he, we, we met him at the LA Comic uh, Sci-Fi Convention. My dad struck up with him. He's like, man, I got a ton of marbles. He's like, I love marbles. So he traded him. He's like, well, do you got anything? I'm like, my kid loves Godzilla. So my dad brought home that King Caesar was the very first Bandai I ever owned. I remember that name because it's like, wait, is that the spy guy? He's like, no, he just has a lot of James Bond, like just tie-ins. So. That that name does that name has personal connection to me, so I still have that King Caesar too. Small world because mm-hmm. I, I first met James at uh, GCon '96, mm-hmm. which was the second public year of G Fest, and uh, we found out we both lived here in Southern California, and him and I became friends. And uh, that show, the, the LA Comic Convention, J- James and I would share a table. Really? So your father went to our table. <laughs> this <laughs> uh, is like yeah. finding lost ancestry. It is. You didn't know someone's been your cousin <laughs> for like 18 years. It, it's, it's, it tends to be a very incestuous scene. <laughs> a lot of us seem to know each other. and have come across, yeah. Through, through uh, you know, mm-hmm. a couple of degrees. <laughs> um, but yeah, but uh, yeah, James... Um, told me about these Yahoo groups. Mm-hmm. So I was invited to join. <laughs> there was one called the Godzilla Sea List, which I believe was started by Jim Serenella of Club Daikaiju. And uh, there was another one, but, but it was about two or three Godzilla groups. And, you know, this is pre-Facebook. Uh, so, you know, it was basically just like a bulletin board. You would post things and people would respond to them. There'd be various threads. Anyway, somebody posted a photograph, and they said, I'm wondering what this photo is from. And it was a photograph of a movie poster of um, Godzilla Mm -hmm. squaring off against this giant white furry creature. Mm -hmm. And obviously it was the suit from King Kong vs. Godzilla, and I just thought it was some kind of paste-up job, Mm -hmm. some kind of custom thing. 
But then the next day they posted a photograph of the King Goji suit mm-hmm. having its tail pulled by this same monster. The plot tickets. Yeah, this is an actual photograph. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, what the hell is this? Pre-Photoshop, too. I was yes. going to say, yeah. pre-Photoshop. Yeah this, yeah, this is before it was mm-hmm. easy to fake things on the internet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really piqued my interest, because mm-hmm. I thought, well, I'm a big fan, and I've seen all the movies. I don't even know what the hell this is. I mean, because I knew what Zone Fighter was at that point. Mm-hmm. I had copies of it, but uh, um, I had no clue what, what this was. Um, then there was a third photograph, which was a, a crew photo. Mm-hmm. Both suits and a crew around uh, the suits, and there was all sorts of uh, people are taking all sorts of guesses. They thought that it might have been that the white suit might have been some kind of stand-in suit for maybe the you know choreographing fight scenes for King Kong versus Godzilla. Mm-hmm. And uh, but then I believe it was August Bergoni uh, chimed in. No, this was a this is a fan film done shot on eight millimeter done in the eighties. Uh, Wolfman versus Godzilla, and that's really all the information he had on it. And then I remember uh, I remembered something that I had read in an early issue of G Fan, and I really need to dig it out of my collection. But if any of you have that issue out there, in the letters column, in one of the early issues of G Fan, somebody because I, I want to find out who it was wrote the magazine asking about this film using its full Japanese name. Then Setsu no Kyoju Okami Otokotai Gojira, Legendary Giant Beast, Wolfman mm-hmm. vs. Godzilla. And uh, I believe JD was answering those at the time, and he answered, Well, I suggest you ask Don Glute. You know, he's a yeah. amateur filmmaker, he might <laughs> <Yeah>. know. <clears throat> but okay, so I had a title, and I knew it was made in the 80s, 8 mm-hmm. millimeter, and looked for more about it online. There was nothing else, there was only these three same photographs for years. And so I looked online for years, and eventually I found another black and white photo, and nothing else. I would print out, I would make printouts of these photographs, and uh, I would take them to the various conventions, the LA Comic Convention, also to G Fest every year, mm-hmm. asking people, "Do you have any idea what this is?" Well, it's like a missing poster. Yeah. Like, well, have yeah. you seen this yeah. film? You're when literally T one thousand going up. Have you seen this boy? He's <laughs> <laughs> just holding a picture <laughs> of like the Wolfman going rah. Really? Because I had no yeah. idea where else to start. So you know, I thought maybe somebody else has more information than I do. Um, especially at G Fest with the Japanese guests, I yeah. would hound them, and they would just kind of look at me and like. What is this guy talking about? Like, what are you talking about, crazy round? <laughs> yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, so you know, years and years went by, and I really didn't find out much else about it. Uh, but still, I didn't give up. But during my searches, I dug up other things like the existence of Gamera Four, mm-hmm. and I found the director's Japanese website, which was on used to be on Nifty Serve, and. Going through his website, I found out that he made only not only Gamera Four, mm-hmm. he also made a Godzilla film entitled Godzilla vs. Sidora. And the old site contained video clips and dozens, if not hundreds, of photographs of this. And mind you, this is what like early two thousand. Yes. So this is like in the time when real player was like the main way to go, or the super embedded yeah, quick times. Real, the, yeah. The quick times are about four inches on your screen. Too. Yeah. Yeah, role player. I remember that. <laughs> Did you save all the photos? I saved some of them. Um, there were a lot of others I had on my old computer which crashed. 
That's why I lost no. those. Yes, so. <laughs> it was a valuable lesson in backing up your work. Yes, back then, yeah, back then I really didn't know much about it. But I lost a lot of that. But I did actually print out some things. And for a while, all I had were the printouts of uh, God's Lord's Cedar. But uh, we'll get back to that later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so It's just one gem of many, of many in a satchel that he has. So, uh, uh, Wolfman. Yeah, so years went by. And I kept hearing from friends of mine about this store in Los Angeles, Anime Jungle, collector's store. Very famous out here in LA. Yeah. At the time, though, uh, I had gone back to school, so I really wasn't in any financial shape to be collecting things. Mm-hmm. So I just thought it would be best to avoid that place. <laughs> <laughs> but as the years went by, I started frequenting there and you know, started picking up little items here and there. And I, started, I made friends with uh, the owner, Tetsu Shioda. And I started making special requests, looking for certain things, and he thought it was kind of funny that I was asking for this really obscure stuff. And uh, so one day I brought in the printouts, and I made him copies, and I said, could you do me a favor? I said, could you, do you know anybody who knows anything about this, these photographs, what it is? I know it's a amateur film made in the mid-80s. And I let him know any information I had about it and gave him my contact info. He actually made a folder I would bring him mm-hmm. printouts all the time, and he would keep them, printouts of things I was looking for or items I wanted, and I think he has it to this day. Is it called the Mark folder? Uh, he actually put Kaiju, uh, <laughs> Monster King. It's like, I'm sorry, let me pull out the Mark folder. Yeah. It's, it's like his own X-File now. <laughs> <Literally> exactly. <laughs> anyway, some of the images um, on the poster images had the names of uh, people written in kanji. Mm. And he said, well, he said, I could tell this was directed by Mr. Nakajima. And I th- initially I thought he meant Haruo Nakajima, yeah. the suit actor. Mm-hmm. And I thought, he was involved in this? And I, I thought, no, I don't think that sounds right unless there's something I'm not aware of. But then as time went by, he said, no, it's the different man. It's Shizuo Nakajima. And I thought, I wonder if there's any relation. Uh, so he started looking for the name Shizuo Nakajima in Japanese sites. Eventually, he found a site that mentioned a man named Shizuo Nakajima and mentioned a film named Wolfman vs. Godzilla. And he wrote to the person who ran the site and said, well, there's another site you can go, and I think he posts on there. Long story short, he contacted this person, and this person wrote back, and it definitely was Shizuo Nakajima, the director of the film. So Tetsu told him, I'm writing on behalf of a friend of mine. He's been wondering about your film, wondering about it for years, in fact. And Nakajima asked him, well, well who is he? His name is Mark Hanamio, and he lives here in Los Angeles, California. And Mr. Nakajima was kind of taken aback. He thought, wait, this is an American, and he knows about my film? How does he know about my film? And he let him know well, he's been looking for it for a while. Mm. So, you know, he, he opened the door for me, and uh, we got to know him, so I would write lists of questions. And uh, Tetsu, with the help of uh, Yoichi Kakuma from Anime Jungle, they would translate my questions and send them to him. And Mr. Nakajima would answer my questions. They would translate them in English. And so it, these exchanges happened for a few months. So I learned more and more about the film, and uh, I was pretty excited. You know, we were, you know, okay. Well, first of all, we confirmed this film does exist. Mm-hmm. And the very little information I found on the internet about it, people said, oh, it was just a, it was an incomplete film that ran five to ten minutes long. 
uh, I found out no, it's not. It was incomplete, <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh, it's it was conceived as a feature length film, <laughs> and I was kind of blown away. What? And then I thought, well, what background do you have in filmmaking? Oh, I worked at Toho from 1970 to 1980. <laughs> I said, you worked at Toho? Uh, wow, so you, you worked there when Godzilla films were being made? Yeah, I worked on the Godzilla films, he told me. What? <laughs> he, 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 he told me the whole backstory. He grew up very near Toho Studios and had a friend who actually worked there, a friend of the family, mm-hmm. who would come home telling him stories of these working on the movies because Mr. Nakajima... Uh, he was born in 1950, and he grew up watching these films. He told me about seeing the films in theaters when he was younger. And uh, he always wanted to see how the films were made. I mean, back then, you know, we didn't have the resources we have now, so it was kind of secretive as the whole techniques mm-hmm. that they used. Uh, and then in 1966, on television, a new show premiered entitled Ultraman. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Nakajima loved this show. Bug bit him. And yes, and he lived not only far from Toho Studios, but Eiji Tsuburaya began Tsuburaya Productions, and their studio was not far from Toho either. Uh, Mr. Nakajima, at 16 years old, wrote a letter to Tsuburaya Productions saying, You know, I love the show, I watch it every week. I'd very much love to come to the studio to see, to visit and see how the shows are made. Because according to Mr. Nakajima, he was a 10-minute bike ride from the studio. Mm-hmm. And uh, a few weeks went by, and he got a letter in the mail, a response. And it was a handwritten letter. And it said, oh, thank you for your interest in Ultraman in our show. And we're very happy that you're a fan of it. Uh, Unfortunately, it's a very popular show, mm-hmm. and there's a backlog of people and a waiting list of people who want to come <laughs> visit the studio. Oh. So, but you know, you will be put on a list, and we will let you know when you can come visit the studio. Uh, we hope you stay a fan, and we're looking forward to seeing you soon. And at the bottom, it was signed Eiji Tsuburaya. Oh shit! Oh, oh wow! And wow! I don't know if you're if you've ever seen it, but Mr. Tsuburaya would sign his name. He would write the kanji in the form of a little cartoon character. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he did that at the bottom of this letter. And so Mr. Nakajima has this letter to this day. Gold yeah. framed. Yeah. Yes. As it should be. <laughs> and so, um, so that was his introdu- introduction to the world, uh, that whole filmmaking thing. When he was in college, he started working for Toho in 1970 first film he worked on was uh, Godzilla's Revenge. He actually saw Mr. Tsuburaya on the set. That was his last film, too. Mm. Yeah. yeah. He was Yeah, he was actually just supervising mm. uh, the, the special effects at that point, but still, he actually got to see Mr. Tsuburaya on the set of a Godzilla film. He worked on Godzilla vs. Hedera, Godzilla vs. Megalon, both of the 70s Mechagodzilla films. And uh, he provided photos of me, uh, cast and crew photos, and he's visible in all all of them. And um, and I so I this, this was incredible news to me. I mean, this film was made by an ex Toho employee, 
And according to him, the the crew were pretty much mostly Toho crew. So it's just like guys like he was hanging hanging out with on the uh, on the crew. Yes, um, yes. I mean, uh, I couldn't believe it. I mean, this was pretty much an unofficial Toho production. Mm-hmm. We're having Toho special effects staff making another mm-hmm. Godzilla film that was never released. <laughs> <clears throat> and then I found out other things. For example, because the version everybody was familiar with mm-hmm. uh, started shooting around 1980-81. Mm-hmm. So during the dry spell, then during the the last one, uh, Toho put Godzilla to bed after Terramaka Godzilla. Yeah, um, but in 1972. Mm-hmm when he was uh, just a couple years in working for Toho, him and uh, some of his other friends uh, who were who worked on the films, uh, they decided to take their hand for the first time to sing, you know, why don't we try to make a film? Mm-hmm. And they they shot an 8mm film mm-hmm. on single 8. Two different films in 1972. Uh, one was uh, Okami Yotoko Tai Gojira, Wolfman vs. Godzilla. This was the first version of Wolfman vs. Godzilla. So the prototype. The prototype. It mm-hmm. ran about 10 minutes long, according to Mr. Nakajima. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty much it's all visual effects. There's yeah. a story to it. But, you know, they made small sets. They made the suits by themselves. And the second film was uh, Okami Otokotai Chitekaiju, Wolfman vs. Subterranean Monster, which was Wolfman fighting Baragon. Oh, my God. They made a Baragon <laughs> suit. <laughs> So these two films were made in 1972, mm-hmm. and it was their first attempts at amateur films. Um, I do have photographs of these films. Oh, they're glorious. <laughs> I, they are glorious. I, I, I'm, I'm more entertained seeing mm-hmm. Chris Eaton's facial expressions. I, I, I look I, when I, Mark shows him pictures on his iPad. This, this is like this. This is like a sub, like almost a fetish for me. I love this stuff. <laughs> like I can't get enough like behind the scenes stuff. It's stuff that's like the like existed in some form, but like only like a few eyes have seen. If so far, what you have told us is like a nerd version of your doctor, your Doctor Jones Senior, and you have found the, the <laughs> cave with the uh, with the uh, the what was the cup? The um, the Holy Grail. The, the Holy, Holy Grail. Grail. Thank you. The Goblet. Get blank. I'm so I'm so like immersed into, into your story right now. I'm just so you literally you're like you're in there you've walked across the bridge and you have found the holy grail right now and you found the knight guarding the damn thing too <laughs> and the knight's giving you the whole backstory <laughs> yeah it was believe me the, mm-hmm. the more and more i heard the more amazing this this story became okay well first of all this film does exist it was made by toho's staff mm-hmm. and then there was earlier versions made in 1972 and uh there are two fairly common. If you Google the images, you can find them on the internet. There are pages scanned out of old issues of Uchu Sen magazine that do show photos of the early version of Wolfman vs. Godzilla. However, what I brought you today and showed you mm-hmm. uh, was a fanzine with very clear photos of this production. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that you saw, and uh, you were very giddy when you saw it, as <laughs> giddy as I was when I first saw it. <laughs> what this fanzine is, is Gojira Fukatsu Inkai, which translates as Godzilla Resurrection Society. This is the fanzine put out by the group of the same name. For those who don't know, the Godzilla Resurrection Society was started in the late 70s, and it was a group who 
of Japanese fans who basically wanted to see Godzilla return to the movie screen. Uh, there hadn't been a Godzilla film made since 1975, Terror of Mechagodzilla. This is a group of Godzilla fans who wanted Toho to resume making the films. The group grew larger and larger, started publishing their own fanzine, uh, passed, started passing around a petition signed by thousands of Japanese fans, submitted it to Toho, and they are directly or indirectly mm-hmm. responsible for rekindling interest in Godzilla, and this ultimately resulted in the 84 Godzilla film being made. The return of Godzilla is known in Japan. Yes. Or 85. Godzilla 1985 is its own out here. Yes. So essentially, these are the original brown coats. These are the people that fell in love with Serenity. Yeah. The petition so much that we even got to make Serenity. Yeah. And I almost feel like in many ways mirrors Doctor Who. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah. It just... So so pretty much... Yeah. These are... So these are the Japanese... These are hardcore... And this is like before the internet. So these people had to be very vocal. Yes. And what's interesting is that one of the founding members of the Godzilla Resurrection Society happens to be Shizuo Nakajima, the director of the members of Godzilla. Full circle. So, uh, definitely this. So the, the the plot thickens. So you you almost kind of like a like you can make just a movie of this this story alone right here, just like a simple fan who had a dream. Well, I, basically, I mean, I just want, I was just curious. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm a huge fan of Godzilla mm-hmm. of all. Japanese science fiction and this is something I hadn't seen and I wanted to find out more about nobody seemed to know about it you know I asked around for years I was waiting for somebody to you know to find out about it no one knew so no one's doing it no one seems to care mm-hmm. I'm gonna look for it and uh, the more and more I found out the, the more you know I was just blown away okay this is a not a five to ten minute film I was envisioning a five-minute silent eight-millimeter film of mm-hmm. two guys just wrestling around, you know, in monster suits. No, this is a coherent film with a storyline. There are actors and there are location shots. You know, there are actually shots done in London. Wow! Shots done aboard airliners. Holy shit! Um, they had crowd scenes of three hundred people running through the streets of the city. Um, you know, they got permits. I mean, this was a labor of love that was years in the making. I mean, the, the the scope of this project was just unprecedented. I could not believe it. And the more and more I found out about it, as we we were exchanging emails, mm-hmm. uh, one of the emails, he sent me some photo files, and these are the first <laughs> photos I saw besides what was you know mm-hmm. disseminated on the internet, and uh, the photos on the internet were all taken from the same article. It was a small half page article in a book mm-hmm. entitled. Um, um, Godzilla 3D Diorama Theater I think it was called the Japanese book anyway it was was a small half page blurb and uh, somebody had taken it upon themselves to scan the three photos in that small half page article and blew them up that's what had been circulating on the internet all these years what he sent me were things that I had never seen before these were production shots of this movie stills of this movie I couldn't believe what I was looking at. I mean, like you said, it was like finding gold for a Godzilla fan like myself. It was like you uncovered Project Blue Beam and like all the uncensored files. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. he really trusted you. Did he say anywhere in the email that you couldn't this, publicly this display? Like no, no. Or like a disclaimer email? Sometimes, you know, at the end of an email, be like, you know, yeah. this email like, is dude, confidential. Is like, no, between it, destroy after reading. Yeah. No, in fact, he had, what he told me was. He, um, 
he said, besides the crew, he said, you're really the first person to see these photographs. So that made me, I'm the first person out of Japan to be looking at these <laughs> photographs. I, I couldn't believe it. Yes. And so he, you know, and I had just joined Facebook at that point, and I kind of broke the news in some of the Godzilla groups. I can't believe what I'm looking at here. And eventually I started leaking the photos online, and people were kind of blown away about it. Well, what the heck are you, you know? So I was finding out more and more about it, and then um, G-Fest was coming up. And I hadn't, I've been attending G-Fest since its inception in 95. Mm -hmm. I kind of stopped going in 2003 because I had gone back to school, and I hadn't... Man, you got to go out to Chicago. You're in California. Yeah, it had been almost 10 years since I had been to a G-Fest. Yeah. And, um, but, you know, it was coming up, and I thought, you know, people really need to see these things. So... I made last-minute plans. Got a, you know, luckily there was still a room available, and you know, I got the tickets and got my plane, you know, airline tickets, and me and my brother went. And uh, but what happened was a, a few days before, a couple, about two weeks before, the show was scheduled to happen. Mm -hmm. Now we were. I did ask Mr. Nakajima. Oh, you know. Um, that, you know, can I show your photographs to people over there? You know, maybe, you know, show them like during a presentation or something. He said, "Oh yeah, sure." You know, and, uh, and then I kind of told him, "Well, you know, it'd be kind of cool if I had like a video to show people." <laughs> you know, you're poking, you're poking the, the <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I <laughs> thought anything stings you. Exactly. I yeah. thought, well, it doesn't hurt. I thought, yeah. All I can say is no. Mm -hmm. You know, being I honestly was not expecting anything. Uh, and that, well, well, hold on real quick. Mm -hmm. First off, let's give a little reference. So uh, this is what, two years ago, three years ago? This was in 2012. 2012. Okay, so it's very, very recent. Yes. Okay. And at this point, did you know he had anything but photographs? Uh, I really didn't know. You didn't know? So I really didn't know. the first time really kind of... Yeah. Deep. You're digging You're digging to the well deeper. So. Yeah. I mean, I really didn't know you how... You hit gold, but you haven't hit oil yet. Yeah. I really didn't know how much he had at this point or what was available. Um... Did you feel that you were crossing a line if you were to ask for video? And he's like, nope, not unfriend <laughs> block email address. Our, our, our exchanges had been very pleasant to that point, and um, I, I was afraid of going too far. But, of you know, course. Of I course. asked very nicely, and, and you, know, you know, I made it, you know, if, you, if you can't, that's fine. Mm -hmm. And uh, two nights before my plane was to take off, I I was up late mm. and uh, looking through my email and I saw an email from Mr. Nakajima and oh wow so I opened it up and well, I, I ran it through the translator and, mm -hmm. and he said uh, he sent me some more photographs and uh, one of the photos he sent me was a photo of a puppet that he owned it was actually given to him by the Toho special effects staff in the early 70s and it was a puppet that was used in numerous Godzilla films and uh, he still has it to this day. And it was amazing just seeing that. Um, but then the last attachment on the email was a WMV file. Oh, God. Which I recognized. Oh. That, Windows that, Media yeah. video. Although that's a video file. Yeah. So I clicked on it, and it was downloading. <laughs> and I thought, what am I going to see here? Yeah. Th through the loudspeakers of the computer... If a Kube's Godzilla theme blasted and Godzilla was stomping across the screen, roaring, mm -hmm. and start shooting fire at this white wolf man, I could not believe what I was looking at. Oh, 
I, I literally yelled out. I couldn't believe it. I woke my wife. <laughs> and uh, I just couldn't believe what I was. I was there. It was just slack-jawed. It was... I hadn't felt that way in a very long time. You literally were seeing something brand new, and it was from... It, it, at least it looked like from an era where, like, it was just at its at its height. Yeah, and how also, how long was the file? How many minutes? It was, was it? it was less than four minutes long. Okay. But it it felt like thirty minutes as I sit there watching it for the first time. I couldn't believe it. It was, it was amazing. It's that moment where like your brain couldn't even. You look like you're about so to cry right now. <laughs> Tears of joy. So well, you're the you're you're a hey, you're definitely the first American to see it. You're probably yeah. the first person like outside of that crew to see it in how many in like a like, half dozen years, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, he had been working on it intermittently on mm-hmm. weekends or so, you know, because they wrapped up principal photography back in the '80s. Around 86, I think. <laughs> the longest film in development. Yeah, and sorry. he would work on it every now and then on weekends, he said. And, you know, and you know, interest had kind of waned. And, um, but he, he had been working on it for that long. So, for me to see this was just, just incredible. And, um, so, right away, I, I transferred it to my iPad, transferred all the photos to there. Showed up. I didn't even tell my friends I was going to G Fest. I showed up unannounced. <laughs> they were su- they were surpri- they were surprised to see hey, me how there. How are you doing? Here? Yeah, and uh, so I just kind of started making the rounds. I mean, the night before the show began, Thursday night, I was I was uh, talking to various fans I met and said, "Hey, have you ever seen this?" And I started showing it to them, and uh, they just couldn't believe what they were looking at either. And uh, some friends of mine who happened to um, to be there, uh, one of them was the aforementioned James Bond. He was surprised to see me, <laughs> and then I showed him what I had, and he couldn't believe it. He said, "Oh my God!" He said, "Have you shown JD Lee's this yet?" And I said, "No." So he went, he ran and flagged down JD, and I showed him what I had and showed some of the other uh, people who were in charge of uh, programming the convention, and they said, the, fan, "The fans have to see this," and I agreed. I said, "Yeah, that's why I brought it. I want everyone to see it." And uh, eventually what's, what happened is, uh, I mean, the schedule was already made. Right, I mean, right. It, and I'm sure rooms were taken. AV was already yes. reserved. Yeah. It was, uh, everything was, was full already, but you know, they agreed that the thing, people had to see this thing. So on Saturday night, they, did, they said, okay, they said, tomorrow at noon, they said, you can take over the, the, the video room downstairs. And so, I mean, we weren't even on the schedule. And I was making right. the I was making the rounds, but still, the, the the general attendees had no idea. So my brother and I, by the time they told us, it was Saturday night. So my brother and I had to drive into downtown Chicago and find a twenty four hour Kinkos. <laughs> God bless yeah. twenty four hour Kinkos, though. He has so, saved me many occasions. So I had to transfer the video file and the photos mm-hmm. onto. Uh, I had to buy a flash drive and transfer them on there because. There was no compatibility with an iPad, and so, and not only that, but I made up a flyer on my iPad, and then we printed out about a about a hundred color flyers, and this is going to be their our only form of advertising. So we were we were there all night. We finally got back to the hotel at seven a.m. Oh, and uh, we were exhausted. 
the first thing we did was go into the area where the convention was being held, and we had a roll of scotch tape, and we hung up those flyers everywhere. So you're like a punk rock band going around. It's like, come to our show. <laughs> kind of, yeah. yeah. And I thought, I thought this is very last minute. Mm-hmm. I thought people were going to have five hours notice for this thing. Very 11th hour. Yeah, I thought, you know, I'll be lucky if 20, 20 yeah. 30 people show up. So we went to the room and got a couple hours of sleep. And mm-hmm. It was supposed to be at noon that day. And uh, about 11.30, we left the room. And I stopped in and was watching some of their presentation. Then about five minutes till noon, I thought, okay, I better get down to that room. I went downstairs to the video room, and there was a huge crowd coming out the door. And I thought, well, okay, well, something's letting out. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Uh, they were waiting for me. That room was filled to capacity. Every <laughs> seat was taken. All of the spaces, all the walls, people were leaning against the walls on both sides of the room. Uh, in front, people were standing on the space in the back of the room. All of the aisles and the, in the front of the room, people were sitting on the floors. It's like a fire hazard. Yeah. A total fire hazard, but I couldn't believe it. You know, How many people did you think, would uh, you estimate? I have photos. There's 200 people at least in that room. It's, it's a, from what I saw, it's like a decent size, like a little yeah. conference room. But it is like, it's literally like, like, a, like, a, like a, a... A miniature hall age. Yeah. It's like or a, ballroom 20 it's of it's San like there Diego are people Comic on top, Con. There are people on top of each other, and they're just like... <laughs> It's like drooling at the mouth. It's like, what? There's something we have never seen, and we're about to see something magical. Just, and that's what I'm gathering from the pictures he showed me. So, yeah, this, yes. is, like, this is, you know, what this is. This was your anvil moment from uh, the end of that, that documentary about that uh, Canadian rock band. <laughs> like when they're going to the, uh, they go to a Japanese rock festival, they get invited. And these, these are guys that, you know, been been doing it for like years, and they're like, oh, we're gonna get. And then they find out they're like the bottom of the car, and they're like, oh man, no one's gonna be there. And when they go out, there's like 10,000 people just <laughs> waiting for them to play. So this this was like your moment. Like you go out to like, and it's just like, you're thinking 20 people maybe toss. It's like, yeah. Little, so, and then all of a sudden it's like, there's not room to walk. And it's just, it, I take it, it was just that that humanity air you get when you go grab a bunch of people into a room. Kind of like at like various Comic Cons. It was. It was, oh. it was, I, I was in, in shock really that that mm-hmm. many people were interested in this. And, um. So, yeah, I went up there and I basically gave my slideshow of all the photos I had at that point mm-hmm. and told them the story. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, I ran the footage. And um, people were just blown away. Did you even give them a tease that you had the footage or was it just... You uh, decided to shock them Marvel style. <laughs> well, I kind of alluded to it on the flyer that I made, but I didn't actually actually mm-hmm. say I all I said was no come learn the truth about this mm-hmm. rediscovered treasure <laughs> so it's like it, we really know who assassinated Kennedy yeah so so I guess people went really not knowing what to expect maybe mm-hmm. some you know were expecting a video clip and but you know I didn't announce it as such but I ran a slideshow first and then showed the, the clip afterwards and people were just blown away and um, the previous days I had gone in showing various people I showed mm-hmm. Like like Bob Eggleton, he was he couldn't believe it, and the one who was really shocked was uh, Damon Foster, the editor of Oriental Cinema. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was I have I have this on video. My my brother was filming this as I was showing it to people, getting people's reactions. Damon was literally slack jawed, and he said that is amazing. And he said that that's the best footage I've seen since 1975. You know, Damon's a, he's a purist. He's mm-hmm. a show up purist. Yeah. Uh, and he said, this is dead on. He said, it's the best of both worlds. He said, because it's, it's looks like something I would have 
seen as a kid, mm-hmm. but it's brand new. I haven't seen yeah. it before because if you watch the footage, it looks exactly like a '60s Toho. It does. Film. That, that, that when when you brought it up to me after after uh, Jessica and I's panel, like you had the shirt on. I'm just like, and I literally like a week before that, I had seen. I found the the uh, footage you had showed online. Someone had recorded it and thrown mm-hmm. it up. I'm like, ooh, what is it? And then you come up with this, and you're like, I'm like, oh, were you there? It's like, no, no. I was the dude that brought it. I'm like, what? And then that's when he opened up the analog. I'm looking at him like, it's it's like the King Kong fight from King Kong versus Godzilla. It's just brutal and raw, and it looks exactly like it was shot like on a Toho soundstage. I'm just and my mind was just blown. Like if I could have like. My head pop off and just like stars coming out of it. That's what it was. <laughs> and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And it was just, it just feels like a real legit like Showa Godzilla film. And that's the the most amazing thing about it so far that I've seen. Just at least with the, the little nuggets that you, you've, you've given us. It, it is. It it's, looks fantastic. I mean, it doesn't look, I mean, this is, you know, an independent mm-hmm. film. It's basically yeah. a fan film. A film by a fan. However, it does not look like a fan film. It looks like a professional Toho production, especially the special effects scenes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, and then you, you realize why. This is a man who worked on the actual Showa Godzilla films, who had a crew who worked on the 70s films. And so they learned working on the real films. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but uh, Mr. Nakajima told me his entire reason for making this was to pay homage to Tsuburaya, who he sees as a, as a hero. And he wanted to recreate various scenes from various Toho films. And there are scenes that he re- recreates in there, not only from Godzilla films, mm-hmm. but from other films as well. One of my favorite scenes is uh, he recreates the scene where uh, Gaira, the green gargantua, appears through the mist of the forest and startles, startles the hikers. Mm-hmm. In Nakajima's films, mm-hmm. the giant wolfman yeah. comes through the mist of the forest and startles the hikers. Ah, and it's... There are just so many scenes. If you're a fan of these films, you can see where he's paying homage to these these scenes. How long was your panel? You think? In 2012, the first yeah. one, it lasted about 20, 25 minutes. Okay. So now I have the whole thing on video. Let's touch on that. You said the first one. Yeah. There's a part two. Part two. So what what brings you to that panel? Okay. Well, this is in 2012, and I just started talking to Mr. Nakajima. Mm-hmm. During the course of the next year, we got to know each other, know each other a lot better. Mm-hmm. Uh, he sent me a ton of more photographs. And uh, I learned more and more about the film, about other films he worked on. you know. And um, then as I was t- so I told Tetsu, Manime Jungle, I said, you know what? I said, last year at G-Fest, I told the audience... My ultimate goal is to bring him mm-hmm. to G-Fest. And maybe he'll bring additional footage. The, the movie's not done, but maybe he'll bring more footage. So we extended an invitation to Mr. Nakajima. He, he accepted our invitation, um, <laughs> to, to my delight. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I did tell him, I said, okay, because he was asking, you know, well, what do you expect from me? What do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. And, and I said, well, I said, I would just like you to come and attend as my guest. And, uh, you know, I would like to, the fans to see more of the film. You know, maybe, maybe you can ask, answer questions about it. You know, we'll do another presentation. Has he ever been to America for anything pop culture related? It was his very first time in the U.S. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he was like, yeah, finally get to 
meet the man who's receiving coming. my emails on the other side. Yeah. He's going to the one of two places that if any foreigner's thinking of America, you're thinking of L.A. or New York. So he's coming out to the greater <laughs> L.A. area. Yeah, so... Uh, you know, it helped that I had Tetsu with me, you know, mm, of course. talking about the half, and he knew I was for real. And um, and so I asked him, I said, you know, could you bring more footage of, of the uh, presentation, you know, of the film? Mm-hmm. I said, how much more do you have? He said, I have a lot. <laughs> I said, could you possibly edit, um, you know, some footage together for a presentation? He said, well, I said, how about I make like a little digest version of the film? I said that'd be fantastic. I said whatever you provide could provide, I'd be honored to show it. So he said I'll put it together in about twenty twenty five minute digest version. Because <laughs> he asked me how long would the presentation be. I said well the presentation is normally about an hour. I said but mm-hmm. we, do, we do want to talk about the film and have people talk to you, and uh, you know. And then so what happened is uh, you know we invited him and he put together twenty five minute digest version. He emailed he actually mailed it to me in advance on it. Mm-hmm. DVD and a, and, a, and a Blu-ray so I had one of each uh, so we planned our presentation around it uh, fast forward to July he came off the plane Tetsu and I were there to meet him and we took him on a short tour mm-hmm. of Los Angeles because we only had half a day but we visited Warner Brothers Studios which he, found, he liked a lot because that's the one request he had because mm-hmm. I told him you know you're my guest here anything you'd like he said well he said I'd like to visit an American movie studio Warner Brothers is a good one yeah. it's a good studio with the wa- iconic water tower yeah. and everything yeah. I was scrambling because I have a lot of friends in the business and they were saying oh you know, mm-hmm. what about the weekend we're, we're shooting a movie on the weekend I said we're going to be in Chicago on the weekend and but uh, actually uh, Todd Caston who I met up in a uh, presentation I did from San Francisco mm-hmm. he was gracious enough to not only set up uh, a movie studio tour of Warner Brothers for us mm-hmm. But he also got a meal for us, a dinner comp for us at a restaurant, local restaurant to his connections. Fortunately, we couldn't make the dinner because we his plane landed late and we were yeah. running late. But uh, he really enjoyed his tour of Warner Brothers. And um, afterwards, we went to Hollywood because he wanted to see the Chinese theater and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. we showed him Godzilla's Star, which happens to be in front of the Chinese theater. And, you know, we flew out to Chicago. And interesting thing, up until... A month before he flew out to Los Angeles and Chicago for the G Fest, mm-hmm. he was under the impression that I was just flying him over as a guest of mine, as a friend. Yeah. Um, G Fest had um, made a new promotional poster online mm-hmm. and they sent it out, and I emailed him a copy. And there were pictures of the guests, the other mm-hmm. one, which were uh, Stoma Kitagawa, the suit actor from the Millennium Films. And uh, uh, and this, this, uh, the special effects of the suit maker, mm-hmm. uh, Shinichi Wakasa. And also, his photograph is on there. <laughs> he was blown away. He said, my picture's on that flyer. Yeah, it's like, and I'm, I said, with, I'm with, like, these dudes who yeah. are, like, you know, they, they got to make a, an actual Godzilla movie, and I'm, I'm the dude that made the fan film. Yeah, and I told him, mm-hmm. I told him, you don't understand, do you? I said, you're one of the guests. Mm-hmm. I said, from I said, from all the feedback I've been receiving, mm-hmm. you're one of the main reasons people are coming to this because they, they want to see your film. Mm-hmm. And he's completely okay that almost without I wouldn't say without his permission, but without his knowledge, his picture was on there. Because you know, every once in a while at a convention, there are guests 
who are not comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like you shouldn't have announced me in that program. I didn't know. You know, I was. Yeah. 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 No, he was he was fine with it. He was just blown away because he didn't see himself as a celebrity or as a right. worthy of the status of special guest. <laughs> and I told him, it's a, your presence here and what you're, mm. you're going to show people, people are, are, you know, this is your target audience. They're blown away by this. Mm-hmm. And he told me, but my film is not a real film. I told him, you don't understand. To us, it is a real film. To us, it's a film that, you know, as big as fans as we are, you know, Godzilla fans from across the country, from all over the world, are flying to Chicago for this thing. This is a film that not one of these people has seen. Mm-hmm. So this will be the first time for everybody. How often does that happen? Yeah. And so he was really blown away by it. I mean, we got to Chicago. Uh, we got to the hotel. I you know, checked us in, and we were in the lobby. And there were a lot of people hanging out. And as soon as I handed the, everybody the room keys and we were heading to the rooms... Right away, we were stopped by some kids who recognized us, mm-hmm. and they thanked him for coming to the show. And he was just blown away by the, re- by the reception he got. I mean, uh, artists such as uh, Jeff Zornow and Bob Eggleton and Matt Frank, they drew special art pieces about Wolfman vs. Godzilla, and they presented him with the original art. Wow. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we actually printed up the movie posters for the movie, as an event exclusive, we printed 400 of them. And after the presentation, which was in the main ballroom, yeah. and once again, it was standing room only, mm. people sitting in the front, it was capacity. There's people that are just like, they couldn't, they didn't to, to get in there. Like, like many good conventions, like, ah, I think I'm able, no. There was, there, was there any people that, that just missed it because they couldn't get in? Uh, yeah, but <laughs> they anticipated that. They had us do two presentations, one on Saturday Smart. and one on Sunday. Smart. But the main presentation on Saturday was in the main ballroom. Yeah. I mean, people were sitting in front. People were scanning in the aisles. There was a large space back in the back of the room that was standing room only. There were even people I saw out in the hallway like looking in. through the open doors, watching what we were showing. What was the atmosphere like? It was exciting. I mean, as soon as we walked in, they, they cheered for him, and he mm-hmm. couldn't believe it. At the end, after we did the slideshow and we showed the, the video clip, he got standing ovation from the crowd, and he just couldn't believe it. It's like a Cinderella story. Yeah. <laughs> and what's amazing, too, is because it ran a little bit long. Unfortunately, we weren't able to do a Q&A at that first um, mm-hmm. um, Saturday presentation because uh, there, were, there was extra material that, <laughs> that, that he brought. So, <laughs> yes, I mean, we were literally... I mean, ask my brother, Matthew, because mm-hmm. luckily he brought his laptop. We were literally... Five minutes before the presentation, up in my room, inserting <laughs> this into the slideshow. <laughs> he brought new photographs of, of production of the film. He brought other photos of his, um, of him on the set of other Toho films mm-hmm. with uh, Toshida Mifune and other actors. And uh, one of the most amazing things, he showed me a photograph and he relayed the story to me that I could not believe and I thought this has to be shown he told me the story when he was in the Toho lot one day he was walking down the lot and he was passing one of the warehouses and there was a couple of guys emptying out the warehouse just throwing stuff in a big pile mm-hmm. and he said what are you guys doing he said oh we were told to clean out this warehouse they're going to use it for something else and he looked in the pile and he saw something on top that he recognized 
And he said, what are you guys going to do with all that stuff? And they told him, well, we were told to get rid of it, you know, to just throw it away. He said, we were just going to take it out and back and burn it. And he said, you're, you're kidding me. And then so he said, no. So he got some of his friends who worked there. And he said, we have to take this piece. Hmm. And then he knew the guy. I hope I don't get anybody in trouble, but it's almost, it's 40 years later. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he knew the guard at the front gate of mm-hmm. Toho, and he told him, hey, he said, we're going to take this out. And the guard told him, well, he said, he said, I'm the guard here. He said, it's my job to make sure that company property does not go out of this gate mm-hmm. unauthorized. Keyword is this gate. Yeah. This and gate. then he said, <laughs> and then the guard, then the guard, he guard <laughs> clarified, however, if company property goes over that back wall, there's not much I can do about it. A lot of the wink, wink. Yeah. yeah. So, Mr. Nakajima and his friends threw these particular pieces over the wall, mm-hmm. reassembled it at his house in his garage, and took photographs of it. And I told the story to the crowd, and I showed them what he saved from destruction. It was the original Mechanic Kong suit from King Kong Escapes. Oh, my God. The entire suit. Oh, are you serious? The entire thing The entire suit. The entire suit. There's a photograph. I'll show you the picture. There's a mm-hmm. photograph of it. He showed Shinichi Wakasa. Mm-hmm. Wakasa's face just dropped. He could not believe it. It was something that he had never even heard of. Mm-hmm. So, you Chris, know. you look like you were going to stand up and walk out of the room. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> hey, just whenever I hear like stories, especially like in the comic industry back in the day when they would destroy originals. Yeah, yeah, and, like, comics. People are, like, yeah. Saving, it's like this is like lost the ages. Does he still have this thing? Yeah. Oh my god. It's it's kind of falling apart. Yeah. The time, but, uh, I mean, clearly, it's been, been it's, many so years. it sounded like they just kind of tossed it into storage, and that yeah. was it, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Um, but what's amazing, I mean, and I told the crowd this, I said. So Mr. Nakajima puts all of his collectors to shame. I said, we collect toys and posters. Mm-hmm. He collects the actual props from the films. Yeah. Because he has not only the full mechanic Kong suit, mm-hmm. he has the puppet that was used in the stop motion scene from King Kong vs. Godzilla, mm-hmm. but which I have photographic proof is also used in Monster Zero, and I believe uh, God, uh, Ghidra Three-Headed Monster, uh, probably another some other movies as was well. Was he used in Mothra? I don't know. Uh, it might have been because there were some scenes. I have photographs. I'm going to have to compare the photos to mm-hmm. the actual. Because there's like two little shots of yeah. stop motion in that it's, too. it's possible. I'm going to have to compare the photos to make sure. But I know for sure it was King, King Kong vs. Godzilla and in Monster Zero. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Because I have a photograph of Adrian Tsubrai holding the puppet. Um, so, he, yeah, he collected not only that, but he also has an original 1966 Ultraman Type-C head. <laughs> and I did show you the photograph yeah, of it earlier. That, it's, and it's in beautiful condition, too. Yeah, and it's it's amazing. It's up on a mantle where it belongs. Yes. <laughs> and I was very honored. He, uh, he sent me photographs of him with the the, the bust, mm-hmm. the head's on a bust. And then uh, in one of the photographs, he actually put on a Wolfman vs. Godzilla t-shirt that I... <laughs> Manufactured for the photograph. Ah, oh, oh my god. Okay, well, uh, you're we're running low on time for right now. Okay. But people, stay tuned. This is only part one of possibly a, of definitely a two part. I, I, depending on how much this this man's got a treasure trove of stuff. So stay tuned. The next episode when we get back together in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about the documentary that he's working on. You're getting ready to start filming this thing, right? 
Yes. Uh, last year, during the, the big presentation, mm-hmm. uh, I was approached and I met uh, a man uh, named David Hall from Maryland, mm-hmm. who is a filmmaker. And initially, I was thinking of a, maybe a series of articles or maybe even a book of this whole ordeal. You got enough for a book, definitely. Yeah. Two books, actually. But he he proposed the idea of a documentary film, which I found appealing because we could actually show people mm-hmm. clips of this film. And, you know, I don't know anything about the filmmaking process, but he does. And over the past year, mm-hmm. he's been helping me, and we're poised to go to Japan in August to start shooting this, covering, covering not only this film, but other independent filmmakers who have made this stuff. Because part of my presentations of both 2012 and 2013 at G-Fest was I teased the existence of other fan films, most notably, uh, the even though Wolfman vs. Godzilla has gained notoriety in the past two years, mm-hmm. you know, thanks to me, you know, not shutting up about it. Uh, in addition, but I think besides that, the fan film that is the most notorious is Gamera Four. Yeah, because they actually made it up, part of it made up onto the net in the, yeah. the early mm-hmm. days. Uh, yeah. By Shinpei Hayashiya. You showed me that after you showed at the back in November. You're like, I'm like, ah, have you ever heard of that Gamma Force? Oh, hold on a second. Did, yeah. My eyes threw out, like, flew out of my head. <laughs> like, like in an old Tex Avery cartoon. And uh, <laughs> just to kind of like sneak into the next uh, thing and also mm-hmm. to, for shameless self-promotion, uh, Gamma Force was made by Shinpei Hayashiya. Mm. He was a famous comedian and the Rakugo performer in Japan. And he made not only Gamera 4, but he also made an earlier film. He made his own Godzilla film, Godzilla vs. Sidora. Uh, he's famous as a comedian in Japan, but he's personally a big fan of tokusatsu and kaiju films. And he eventually did make his own two kaiju films, Rego vs. Yamato and Deep Sea Monster Raiga which actually were released in theaters a few years ago in Japan. And Mr. Hayashiya is attending G-Fest this year as my guest this year. I'm bringing him. <laughs> <coughs> there will be special screenings of Rego vs. Yamato and Deep Sea Monster Raiga. Oh, man. He will also take, pl- take part in a presentation on the documentary film uh, where we will screen clips of Godzilla vs. Sidora and... Camera four. Yeah, it, you, you're you have a leprechaun of like pot of gold right here, sir. <laughs> just you went from one film, you found one great like just lost one, and now you're digging up like you're like, hey, there's it's, it's like finding like a T Rex tail. It's like there's the, the there's the Triceratops that killed it over there, and there's the Pteranodon that watched the whole thing. You're just finding stuff left and right. You're documenting almost a lost chapter of of of, of Togusaki history. And you're doing the Lord's work, in my opinion. <laughs> so, oh, and, and one more thing, yeah. uh, just to cover, because uh, we're talking mm-hmm. about G-Fest 2013. Um, one of the mornings, uh, when myself and Tetsu and my brother and Mr. Nakajima were having breakfast mm-hmm. at the restaurant in the hotel, you know, I told him about my search for all the other independent films. I was, I was looking for other ones, such as... Uh, Ultra Q episode 29 mm-hmm. and uh, Godzilla vs. Space Metal Monster Xenon mm-hmm. and he Mr. Nakajima asked me have you ever heard of Masahiko Kato and I said the name doesn't sound familiar 
he said he's a friend of mine. He said he would he used to enter films in the amateur eight millimeter film festivals back in the late seventies, early eighties when I was doing mm-hmm. them. And he said he's made a couple of films he might be interested in. <laughs> and I told him, Well, really, I said, what films did he made? He said, Have you heard of Daikaiju Zeron? I go, I actually have heard of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of like a, a cross between Rodin and Gauss. I told him, Yeah, I've heard of that one. He said, Yeah, he made that. And he made a couple other ones too. Oh, what other ones did he make? Uh, he made uh, a sequel to Atragon. What? <laughs> he made a sequel to Matango, Attack of the Mushroom People. What? <laughs> he made a fourth Daimajin film. What? <laughs> and I had never heard of these at all. Mm-hmm. And these are all made by the same person. Yeah. Uh, fast forward to now. I have copies of these films on Blu-ray. In Blu-ray, people. <laughs> uh, they will be part of the presentation at this year at G-Fest. I did show some of those clips, which you witnessed mm-hmm. over at Anime Jungle. Yes. And the crowd... They're magical. Uh, ...seemed to really appreciate them. Mm-hmm. I mean, in Astragon 2, it's a feature-length sequel to the original it's, Astragon. It's full, like, what, full, like, 80, 90 minutes? Uh, an hour and... Tw- yeah. Yeah, 80, 90, 80 minutes. Wow. Hour and 20 oh, minutes. God. Yeah. And it takes place 20 years after the original. Mm-hmm. And in this one... Manda crawls out of the ocean and attacks the city on land. <laughs> you showed that scene. There was a, there's a shot of it fighting Natragon again, too, isn't it? Um, I saw you, I, it was a still. It wasn't actual footage. Yeah, a there's a still of it uh, wrapped around Natragon. Mm-hmm. Now, Manda doesn't directly engage the Gotengo this time so around. This is mostly kind of like a, a like, like, like a Manda movie, then? Uh, there's, it, no, it's a... It's in the same vein as the original, you know, Manda, he does make a couple of appearances, mm-hmm. but uh, the, the most notable one is the attack on the city. Nice. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's an amazing film. There are people who, because earlier you had said that, you know, you're going to start shooting a documentary mm-hmm. and having all that. There might be people who want to be involved in some way. However, do you plan on having a Kickstarter or Indiegogo? Because I understand you can't take on every interest you know, and build a 500-people crew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know, however, people would like to contribute as they can. Will you planning on doing a Kickstarter or maybe yeah. anything that people can show their support in? Yeah, um, the plan is uh, both uh, David Hall and myself are completely self-financing this thing in the beginning. Uh, Oof. We're, yeah, we're taking you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> care uh. of the trip to Japan and you know the costs incurred there. However, though, afterwards, uh, there is going to be a Kickstarter campaign, and we're kind of uh, kicking around attending a few of the big conventions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm uh, fairly certain we'll have a booth at Stanley's Kamikaze come October, November. November. Uh, I would like to have a presentation. I'll see if that happens. But that'll definitely happen right in the middle of the Kickstarter campaign. Right. Right. So there will be a Kickstarter campaign for People, this. get your wallets out. Yeah. Get ready to shill. Yeah. Yes, it I, is. Yeah, there will be more information on my website, www.insearchofmonsters.com. And uh, you can go there and see things I've been working on. I'll have a link in the show notes as well. So, Yeah. All right. Well, anything else you got before uh, we, we wrap up this, this portion of, of this, this I think wonderful that's, story? I think that's all for this portion. All right. All right, well, that, I mean, yeah, people just 
Hold on, because there is... You think you heard it all. There is so much more still to come. <laughs> there is a lot more. So we'll leave that tease at that. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Uh, until then, Jessica and I will have uh, our regular schedule up as normal. So, you know, you're coming back here like you hear us talking about toys. You're like, wait, I want to hear more about the documentary. It's like, that's coming. So just give us a little time. So that's going to do it for us for this week. Jessica, where can the people find more of our work? Twitter is the Kaiju Kingdom. And Tumblr is the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast.tumblr.com. Mm-hmm. Our Facebook is also the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast. And for some reason, if you prefer to just comment to us privately, whether it be negative or positive, mm-hmm. you can feel free to email us at the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast at gmail.com. So it's only our Twitter that doesn't have the word podcast at the end. We apologize. I guess Twitter only allows so many characters in the username. The sexy bastards. <laughs> and so that's where actually you can find us all uh, for this show. All right. And Jessica, where do you find more of your work? Oh, for more of my work. Mm-hmm. Um, you can friend me on Facebook, which is Jessica. My last name is all one word. It's the comic book girl. Uh, please, you know, remember to Facebook inbox me. I have learned to check my other folder in my inbox I apologize for those who try to friend me and say, like, you know, I heard you on here with Chris or I met you at Kamikaze or somewhere because I don't want to. I want to be able to put a name to a face. So not just a random person that found me in, like, mm-hmm. Pakistan and, like, friended me. Yeah. And uh, so it's Jessica the Comic Book Girl, all one word for the Comic Book Girl, and also girlongeek.com and thecomicbookgirl.com. And from there, it just, under contacts, is just I'm everywhere on social media, including Pinterest and other sites. Throw I'm a rock and hitter. Yeah, hopefully I'm the friendly version mm. of Justin Bieber on <laughs> social media, so that's where you can find me. All right, yeah, and you can check out my other site, therealmcast.com, where I run two other podcasts over there. Just check us out over there at therealmcast.com. And that will do it for us for this week. So for myself, Mark Adamia, Jessica Sang. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.